baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Dana and Parks podcast on KMBZ. Why are you showing me a $20 bill wrapped in paper towels? Uh, look at your text messages. Oh, God. Yeah. Did somebody have uh, the 20 in the pocket with our phone there, Dana? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh-huh. You grabbed a $20 bill out of a toilet? It had been flushed. It was a floater. Has it been laundered? It has been. I came in today with a $20 bill. We went to go play a game in the back that we will not discuss. Uh, it's illegal gambling. It's called left, right, center. And I could not find my $20. And I was like, where is my $20? And I'm looking in my pockets and I'm, you saw me digging in my bag. I'm you digging. You were frantically digging. searching. I go, yeah. I know I've got $20. It must be out on my desk. And so someone borrowed, let me borrow some money. No big deal. Why? Why, why, why did you need to borrow money? Well, here's what's so interesting. So you could illegally gamble no. in the Buy back something room? from the concession stand, Here's what's Scott. interesting. Because I only <laughs> use. We have a racket going on here. A very specific bathroom stall. I don't jump around in the bathroom. I am a stall number three kind of gal. Oh, you're dedicated. I am always stall number three. I can appreciate that. So I run during um, the break just to use the restroom real quick, and I run down, and I open stall number three, and there's my $20 bill. Well, good for you. Floating on top of the water. (laughs) Well, thankfully, it fell out after you flushed. Right? Hey. It's clean water. It was floating in clean water. I, I'm assuming this is clean. Sam, I need my audio. I fished it out. Brian Busby has just named me an honorary meteorologist. Oh, good Lord. Why do you get to be an honorary meteorologist? Spring 2024. I was listening to Scott Parks earlier this week on Dana and Parks, and he said, yeah, he considers March 1st the first day of spring. Damn right. And in some ways, he's right. Let me explain. As we make our trip around the sun, we have the winter solstice and the summer solstice, and the spring equinox and the autumnal equinox. But for meteorologists, we try to do it this way. We know this, there are four seasons, that means three months per season. So to make it easier on us for better bookkeeping and climatology, we consider the spring starting first day of March, including April and May as the other two months. Therefore, June, July, and August are summer, September, October, November are fall, December, January, February is winter. So today is the first day of meteorological spring. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for making me an honorary meteorologist. I, I am humbled. I am humbled. So proud of you. By this honor. Very proud of you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, today is March 1st, and I do consider today to be the first day of spring. And would you please read what's on the top of this page? Oh, uh, Meteorological, Meteorological start of spring. That is correct. Well, look at you. March, April, and May is spring. What's that phrase about a blind squirrel and a nut? I agree. Every once in a while, they get one. I agree. <laughs> Had to, sorry. Uh, let's talk a bit about a real estate story that crossed my um, feed today. 
uh, just to lighten it up for just a little bit. If you look this up, Scott, there is a home in Queens, where I'm sure it's just lovely today. It is a $2 million mansion with water views. It is one of those mansions that is the, um, they've got the shake shingle, you know, very New England looking shake mm-hmm. shingle on the outside. It almost looks like a barn. Like a huge dual double farmhouse. By the way, it's mostly sunny and 41 in Queens right okay. now. Uh, a squatter has taken up inside of this home and, as you can imagine, is uh, living life. A squatter who is now taking advantage of a couple's $2 million dream home where they hope to reside has turned it into his personal haven. Susan and Joseph Landa, both 68, envisioned a tranquil retirement in their recently acquired three-bedroom sanctuary in Queens – Looks way bigger than three-bedroom to me. Little did they know their Shore Road property would become a battleground against a squatter named Brett Flores, leaving the legal owners in agony. Uh, Images obtained by the Post unveil the home's interior, showcasing charming bay windows, hardwood floors, skylights, and vaulted ceilings. What's more, the home also has waterfront views of Little Neck Bay. Spanning more than 3,100 square feet, the property boasts a grand foyer, three fireplaces, and a large renovated kitchen. Wow. Uh, But a handful of months after they signed the deed for this residence, the Landis family remains locked out. Um, It has become a nightmare, quoting here from Joseph, an absolute nightmare. Court documents show... That 32-year-old florist once served as a caretaker for the former homeowner, earning $3,000 per week until the owner died in January of 2023. Flores, after the homeowner died, just stayed there and says he possesses a, quote, license from the previous owner to occupy the residence. Quoting here from Susanna, we could not believe it. We cannot believe this. Can you provide the license, sir? Despite lacking any formal lease agreement or rental agreement, Flores has entrenched himself into the property, exploiting New York's squatter's rights law, which protects occupants who have lawfully resided in a dwelling for 30 consecutive days or longer. If you are in a home that does not belong to you, you are not lawfully there. Okay, listen to this. You are under squatter's Their rights. Their squatter's rights say. This is the dumbest law If you I've ever have heard lawfully life. resided in a dwelling for 30 consecutive days you, or longer. You don't own the property. But he's saying the homeowner died and told me I could stay here. So he's claiming I was lawfully here for more than 30 days. House is mine. Okay. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> what if... Well, I guess it wouldn't be lawful if a squatter just broke into a house for 30 days. Like if you were vacationing for a month in Italy or something. How do you think they get in? And someone comes into your house for 30 days, then I don't think they can say this is my house now. No, they can. That's exactly how it works. Doesn't it have to be like seven years? You have to be lawfully residing in the dwelling 30 consecutive days or longer. The issue with him is, is it lawful or not? He's saying the former homeowner said, you can have the house. What? Uh, these a lines are nightmare. very blurry. Yeah. They still have to pay the mortgage on this thing. The bank doesn't care that there's some weird guy living in there. And what blows my mind is that these people don't leave. Because if they did leave, in theory, the homeowner could break in and squat in their own home. Uh, Flores is also advertising rooms for rent within the property. 
Big home. That's nice bold. house. That is bold. <laughs> I got to give him an A for credit. That is bold. Uh, Susanna also detailed Flores' disregard for their property from leaving windows open round the clock, incurring exorbitant <laughs> Where's heating this in bills. Queens? Yes. <laughs> Where it's 41 degrees right now. Windows are just wide open. Security cameras <laughs> appear to be sprayed out. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, wait, last thing. Most recently, Flores, he clearly is a smart guy because he's exploiting the system. Most recently, Flores filed for bankruptcy, which allows him further rights to stay in the home. When a residential tenant files for bankruptcy petition, an automatic stay prevents the landlord from bringing or continuing a case to obtain possession. The guy, you look, the guy's not dumb. Let me do a public service announcement regarding squatters and squatters' rights and rental property or whatever. And this has nothing to do with last hour's topic at all. I want to be very clear. I'm going to give you a public service announcement. As somebody who at one point owned three rental properties mm-hmm. with my buddy Brenninger, mm-hmm. never, ever, under any circumstances, get into the rental property business. You become a professional adult babysitter. Don't ever do it. This wasn't a rental property. I understand. It is now because he's renting out the rooms that they own. And here's the other deal. Once, no, wait. In what world is this legal? He rents out those rooms. Those renters now have rights. rights. And not even squatters' rights. They have renters' rights. rights. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The guy, honestly, I think he's a criminal, but he's brilliant. He, every step of the way, just keeps doing things to keep them out. The bankruptcy? Well, they could pay rent for one month and never pay rent again, and they don't have to leave. Oh, my God. And the bank is like, um, your mortgage is due on a $2 million property Mm -hmm. that they continue to pay utilities for. Mm -hmm. The I'm going to say something. That's no, unpo- do not. Right. But let me ask you a question. If you are in the real estate business, when you go to sell a house, there had to have come a point where they're showing this house. This house is now on the market for two million dollars. You have to check so many crazy boxes that, you know, there's a seller and the heating doesn't work. And what? I don't know. There's a guy living here. Where are the owner's rights? Well, uh, the owner died. My, my question is, if you're a real estate agent. Do you have to make sure the house is legally unoccupied when you go to sell it? Because that's but, how he got in. But but it, it, it is a rare person, okay? It, you know this as well as I do. It is a rare person in this country who dies with no wife or no husband, no children, no relatives. Okay, but he did. The guy did. The guy he, is dead. He didn't have us. You're telling me that the guy who lived in this $2 million house in Queens. Yep. Had no relatives at all. Uh, doesn't appear so because they they would have been and did not the, be. Well, here's the other and, and did not the, be queefed. Wait, Scott. The relatives might have agreed to the legal sell of the home for two million dollars. We did, don't know and that. Did, and did not bequeath the home to anybody. I, I got to ask the real estate agents on this. You know, if you have a tenant living in a home that is now for sale, do you just assume they're going to move out? Do you go, hey, um. Mr. Flores, I don't I don't know what kind of agreement you had with the deceased no, you, owner, you but like ha- FYI, we're showing this property on Sunday. This couple's super interested. They're gonna sign and have all the paperwork done, and in 30 days you gotta be out. And he's like, ah, I don't feel like it. 
Like, no, I and think he could I, have left while they showed the home. Oh, totally. And then came back. I, I, I okay. So l- l- let's rewind the tape for a second. Did the squatter have some sort of contract to rent the home? He lived there providing maintenance and other services to the owner for $3,000 a week. So he was like a caretaker. $3,000 yes, a week? $3,000 a week he was being paid. $12,000 a month. Yep. And so, and who knows what kind of deal that he had worked so out with the homeowner. Like a good gig. Some, right? Clear, clearly he's somebody of means. Well, I think he was somebody who knew how to maybe even work the system back then, is my guess. Is my and, guess. And the owner, if they, regardless of whether the owner had uh, descendants or relatives or whatever. Um, it was a legal sale. Except It's not a sale. That there, it's a rent. No, it was a $2 million sale. Okay. And this couple came in. And paid $2 million and went through the title company but, but and went and got the mortgage and did all the things. But, and the, person, then, but, but, but the person who was there, he didn't sell it to him is what I was saying. No, he, he doesn't have any right to this house. He's just still there. And I could be mistaken, but I believe it's illegal for them to turn the utilities off. Uh, during certain times of the year, well, you are correct. I, I, I think he knows all of those things. Isn't there a documentary about this called The World's Worst Roommates so or something? For, for example, you Where people know the law and they, they move in and then they're like, not moving out. I'm so just going to walk around naked. hope for, that's not awkward for you. For example, you cannot turn off the heat if the temperature in the next 48 hours, at least in Kansas, I don't know what it is in New York, um, if the temperature is going to drop below freezing at any point in the next 48 hours, you cannot turn off the heat. You cannot turn off the electricity. Telephone number is 913-586-7798. 586-7798. Dana Wright, Sam Stevie. I'm Scott here on KMVZ. Just very quickly, if I may, because this one kind of hit close to home. I was watching uh, Morning Joe yesterday on MSNBC. And I don't know if you guys know the name Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman was a uh, college superstar basketball player. Ended up in the NBA. I think he played for the Suns and a couple other teams. He was kind of a journeyman basketball player. And he hit rock bottom. And he has written a book. And he was on Morning Joe yesterday talking about his new book. And the title of the book, Man, I Can Connect. (laughs) It's hard for me to live with me. And he, he was on Morning Joe yesterday, and I was so inspired by this guy. Uh, this is a man who had drug issues, alcohol problems, um, got himself sober, is working his way back. And I was, I, I was just laying in bed watching the interview that Rex Chapman did on Morning Joe yesterday. And I was just, I wasn't starstruck, uh, but I was just like, wow, you're, you're telling my story, brother. says a powerful memoir from mm-hmm. the University of Kentucky basketball legend, Kentucky, NBA veteran, right. and social media influencer about his recovery from addi- addiction. He is considered by many the greatest basketball player ever produced by the Hoops Crazy State of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets into some of his uh, statistics there, but by the end of his career... Rex Chapman was harboring a destructive secret. Years before America's opioid crisis would become national news, he developed a dependency on Vicodin and OxyContin 
ultimately ingesting 50 painkillers a day. Uh, in addition, he developed a severe gambling addiction, mm-hmm. once nearly losing $400,000. $400,000 in Las one night. Vegas blackjack table. It cost him his family, as well as most of the $40 million fortune that he made in basketball. So um, what a brave but difficult oh. story to just put out there. And do you think for you, Scott, would you um, would it be helpful to read something like that? Or would I don't it be know. triggering to read I, something I don't like know. that? And, and he told a story uh, on Morning Joe yesterday, and I almost started crying. <laughs> Where he had been arrested, and he went to court, right? And the judge was like, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do, blah, yeah. blah, blah, you're free to go. Uh, and he walked out of the courthouse, and Rex Chapman said, I didn't have a car. I had no way to get home. So I started walking. Oh, God. Yeah. This is a guy who, as you just mentioned, was paid $40 million to play basketball, right? But he had gotten he gotten away from himself, and he had gotten addicted to drugs. He was addicted to alcohol, and he started walking home. And his son, at this point in his career, yeah. he, he's now divorced. His wife just can't deal with it. I totally get it. But his son pulls up in a oh car. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, my God, Dana. And his son pulls up in a car and pulls up in front of his dad, gets out of the car. And he says, I'm wasted. I'm on drugs. I'm drunk. I'd gone to court wasted. And I'm just walking home from court, wherever it was. I don't know where he lives. And his son pulls up in front of him, gets out of the car, and comes up and hugs him, right? His son's like 17 years old at the time. And says, Dad, let me take care of you. Oh, my God. And And he hugged his son. And he said, I didn't even shed a tear. I had no soul. I had no emotion. Right? And... He said, my, my son is hugging me, begging me to let him help me. And I didn't care. Yeah. I couldn't have cared less. And I was laying in bed yesterday morning watching this interview, and I'm just bawling my eyes out. Yeah. And, you know, bravo to him on finding sobriety and, and being honest and coming to grips with his demons and um i i it was hard yeah. it, was, it was hard to watch as as hard as that was to watch i think it would be harder to read and i don't know and it's obviously up to you you do what you want i i don't know that especially with <sighs> everything going on right now it was maybe brutal. we all need to read something happier right now <laughs> I'm not saying it's not gut-wrenchingly, unflinchingly honest and phenomenal, probably on a New York Times bestseller list, but maybe for Kansas City, we pick something (laughs) happier. um, um, uh, By by the way, can I give you a run, do not walk? Please. Uh, Sarah got me a book. Uh, My oldest daughter, Sarah, bought me a book uh, not too long ago. And I don't know if I've shared this on the air, and I know we got to get to break. Um, It's called Living Untethered. Okay. Living Untethered. It's not about addiction. It's not about alcoholism. It's just about living, right? I hope it's not about parachuting. 
<laughs> wow. Get out. Get out. I'm just saying untethered's great until you're doing that. <laughs> Would rather be tethered. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Forgot my parachute. It's really fun for a few minutes. <laughs> you really get to see the earth. I will look up living untethered, but now I will laugh when I see will, the will title. You, will you look up or look down? I don't know. The ground comes at you fast, man. You know when you hit the ground, you bounce. Okay. <laughs> what is it about? It's just about living life without... Um, Fear? Yes, without feeling like I have regret. Um, it, it, it's about... I'm trying to think of the proper term. I, I got it. It's about giving yourself grace. I will check it out. Letting go. Getting out of your own way. Yeah. Yes, yes, Sam, that's right. It's about giving yourself grace, recognizing that in the course of life, we all make mistakes. We all make horrible mistakes. And just saying to yourself, okay, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to let it go. Yeah. That's what the book's about. It's a fantastic read. Living Untethered. I'll and it's it not about parachuting. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's in the horror genre? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Story here from the Daily Caller. Yeah. And this is not our only source. This is being widely reported today. Uh, but I just, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I just picked the Daily Caller story, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, members of the NFL's New York Jets are throwing major shade at former Jet and current Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver McCole Hardman, alluding to the possibility that he may have leaked the Jets' playbook. The drama started when Hardman trashed the Jets' culture, saying they weren't winners and that they lacked discipline. I, I think it it should be noted that he was tra uh, either traded or signed with the Jets. Correct. I, be I believe played one game for them. Uh, he was there for eight weeks, I think, and, yeah. and caught one pass. And then yes. we got him back. And then he was he then he came back to the Kansas City Chiefs to catch the touchdown, the winning yeah. touchdown Say to the what? Super Bowl. Uh, Jets punter Thomas Morstead clapped back at McCole Hardman, writing on Twitter, be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer of opportunity. You have to earn it every year. Hardman was initially slated to be the Jets' putt returner, but lost his job to rookie sensation Xavier Gibson. The Jets then traded Hardman back to the Chiefs, okay. where he spent the first four oh, years wait, of his wait, wait, career. Stop, stop, stop. I have so many questions. What would be the point? Like, what, you hate your current team so much that you're going to sabotage their season so that 
You could be tra- like, what would be the point of doing that? Well, the allegation here, it sounds like, is that he was mad that he didn't have the spot anymore. And that's why he did it. Okay. They're not alleging that there was any money exchanged or anything, just that he was a disgruntled former employee, to quote the tweet. Well, if there's no money involved, Sam, then there's no crime. Is it illegal to do that? No, no it's not illegal to do that. You, you as can long get you as you fired, not- I mean, I'm oh, sure. Sure, sure. You probably won't get signed to another team. But didn't you say, Sam, that they lost the game? That yeah. the, if, if some play was leaked to the Eagles... The Eagles lost that game anyway. So the allegation is specifically about a game on October 15th uh, where the Jets took on the Eagles. The Eagles lost 20-14 to for the first time in franchise history where the Eagles lost to the Jets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So so it didn't work. Are you telling me that in in the entire history of the NFL, the Jets have always beaten the Eagles when they played? Until then, Philadelphia had been 12-0 against the Jets. I'll be darned. So uh, the, they're alleging that he passed off the game plan, but the Eagles lost. So McCole Hardman went to the University of Georgia. Okay. And the Eagles defense features a huge number of players from Georgia. Okay. Jordan Davis. There N- we go. Nicobe Dean, Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith. And they're alleging that McCole Hardman and he denies this, by the way, we should point out, after he was traded back to the Kansas City Chiefs, leaked the Jets' playbook to his to his former teammates at Got it. Georgia, who now play for the Eagles. Got uh, it. McCall Hardman's tweet reads, and I quote, there were false accusations made about me and my character to set the record straight. I have never and would never leak game plans to another team. I have never been a person to give an opponent an upper hand. I always want to win no matter the circumstance. Well, they, they weren't opponents anymore. <laughs> He'd already been traded back to the Chiefs. Hmm. Hmm. Hell hath no fury. You know, McCole Hardman is actually good friends with one of my uh, th- one of the guys in my wedding. Really? Yeah. Uh, my friend Don Glasscock. Well, we talked a, about this yesterday. They bowl. He, he, he was a bowler. What? To make this even more weird, McCole Hardman was traded back to the Chiefs on October 18th. And when was the playbook allegedly leaked? Uh, allegedly ahead of the Eagles game, which was October 15th. Okay. So three days prior but wait a minute. to him being traded. And I'm not saying that that's okay if, in fact, this happened, which we don't even know. But it didn't work. I mean, how bad did the Eagles have to be playing at that point that they had the playbook and lost? If, in fact, they had the playbook. I would remind you, this is a Jets team that beat the Eagles that did not have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I mean, now, if if they had gotten spanked by 40 points or something, then I think maybe people are like, okay, well, it's probably not very cool that he did that. But it didn't work. But even then, it wouldn't have been surprising if the Eagles, who were undefeated on the season, beat the Jets by 40 points. Right, you're right. That would have made sense. You're right. The fact that they lost doesn't make sense. But, but I, I've never understood this idea, and um, I know we're not a sports station. No, but, but giving, make it about story, giving away trade secrets. Yeah, these kinds if, of stories are interesting to me. And I or people in whatever industry you work in gave away trade secrets to your competitor, I think in some cases that can be criminal. But, but they're only trade secrets if you can use them. I'm, I, well. I, we give you the playbook. Okay, fine. You don't know what play we're about to run. Uh, no, 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 no. 
make this about not football. Let's make it about something like Garmin. Okay. If someone inside of Garmin took trade secrets about their golf watches. Okay. And leaked it to a Nike competitor. Like this is how we do this good stuff that we do. Isn't that illegal? That would be theft of intellectual property. I think That's exactly it is. right. How is this any different? Because an NFL playbook only is valuable if you know what play they're calling. Oh, I think you are splitting a massive hair there. See, sign stealing, Michigan, allegedly. But, but it, no, stop. We're talking past each other here, guys. If you're sign stealing, then you know what call they're playing, right? Theoretically, you, yes. You, you, if you see guys over there with the little, they put up the the billboards or whatever, and it's you know Taylor Swift, and then the next one is a question mark, and the next one is the the Michigan logo, then you know what play they're about to run, and you can call that out and say, hey, they're going to do you know eighteen toss right or whatever. Just having the playbook does you no good until or unless you know what play they're about to run. Now, I don't think this is playbook. I read game plan as we need to watch out for X, Y, or Z. They tell you that in the press conferences <laughs> leading up to the game. That was Very the, what, true. What, what is the goal here? We, well, we've got to we gotta we gotta get that the ball, ball into the end zone. We've got to score more points. <laughs> it's times like this when the ball is more important than any. Thank uh, you, Tony We've got to protect the quarterback. Uh, I remember that Romo quote. The ball is really important here. <laughs> we, what? You mean like every other play, Romo? Yeah. Uh, One of those times the ball is very important. You, you mean getting the ball past that end zone line is important, Romo? Thank you. That's why we pay you $20 million a year. The playbook means nothing. Uh, Unless or until you can anticipate what they're... You are still leaking your employer's secrets. Even if you don't end up understanding or knowing what plays are going to be called, you're still leaking a secret. And I feel like in in private industry, like my garment example, or if you leaked a bunch of stuff about the stuff that we don't do that puts this show together, uh, to a competitor, isn't that somehow... (laughs) What did you just say? Isn't that somehow? <laughs> I think Ill- she just dissed what, us. What illegal-ish. It feels illegal-ish. It, it might feel illegal-ish, but it is not illegal-ish. If if I walked across the street over to 101 The Fox, and I said, you know, they're getting ready to fire Dana. Yeah. And we're we're going to be moving in a different direction. Here's how she does what she does. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's different than proprietary information. Well, define proprietary. I don't know. I know it when I see it. Just how does Dana's brain work is not proprietary. Nobody can understand it. I know. Maybe tried. this could be a league <laughs> death sentence for McCole Hardman. It could be. Or, or you just don't ever trade him again. Right. And he doesn't give away your secrets. I mean, secrets. as long as he's catching touchdowns for Super Bowls, we'll keep him. 913-586-7798-913-586-7798. Quick note, I am so excited. If you go to beltonmochamber.org, beltonmochamber.org, um, Friday, March 8th, I am once again delivering the keynote speaker at uh, speech at their women's conference. 
And you do this every we, year, don't you? Oh my gosh, we had so much fun last year. There are vendors out there. There's food. You know, I give a little goofy keynote to make people think and hopefully laugh just a little bit, um, which I think we could all use right now. It will not be a heavy speech. I can promise you that. Uh, yes. Again, it is Friday, March 8th. Go to beltonmochamber.org, and the sign-up is right there. Today is the last day to sign up. They are almost at capacity. Go to beltonmochamber.org, and I will see all of you ladies Friday, March 8th. Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters-Baker will be joining us at 415. We anticipate a news conference from the Jackson County Court at 4 o'clock, so we're going to have to kind of do a delicate dance here coming up in a minute and try to bring you both at the same time if that makes any sense. Uh, but uh, certainly Gene Peters-Baker will take precedence. Um, story here from ABC News. And this is to the two of you. Because I know you made fun of me. Okay. You laughed at me. Okay. Wait, if this is what I think it is, I did not make fun of you. I told you to stay in. She did. Okay. All right. Made fun of me. Bitcoin is on a tear. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Hang on, let me just Once take... again, you don't even know... I have no idea. ...what you are talking about, nor do I. You're absolutely right. I have no idea. But let me just take a gander, because I invested originally $600, and it is now worth... Oh! Huh! Looky there! Would you care to tell everybody what my $600 investment in Bitcoin, which was originally $600... <sighs> had gone down to 300 and you mocked me. Okay, I was going to ask, remind me what it had gone down to. $300. So you were at 600 it went down to 300 and then today, what are we back at? Oh my gosh, we will never hear the end of this. It's up to $923. Mm -hmm. Say it again. Say um, it again. I'm sorry, I didn't hear okay. you. Okay, are we going to let it ride? <laughs> oh, we're going to let it ride to the top. Let it ride, baby, let it that puppy is going to ride to the top. I will be worth millions before you know it. Uh, the largest cryptocurrency has soared more than 20% over the last four days, right? Listen, just say I was right and you were well, wrong. You didn't feel very right when it was down to $300. No, I most certainly did. If I didn't feel right, I would have sold. You don't sell when it's low, though. That's you exactly hold it right. That's exactly you right. stay Sam. in it. You wait for the rebound. Mm -hmm. Wait for the rebound. All right. I... In a very narrow set of circumstances regarding your very narrow purchase of one Bitcoin. It's not one. It's a fraction of a fraction, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a, one, of a Bitcoin. One Bitcoin costs $64,000. Oh. <laughs> You've got one ten-thousandth of a Bitcoin. This is like yeah. buying stock in Apple. You own one one billionth of that company. That Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm proud of you. Uh-uh-uh. I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. I am proud. Of it. It's better than the money I made in Vegas. Sam, did I hear what I wanted to hear? I told you under one very narrow set of circumstances mm -hmm. with one very narrow purchase of one bajillionth of a Bitcoin, I stand corrected. Oh, wait a minute. Danny, you don't have to say it because of the one time you said it on this program, and I'm not even kidding. It was one time. <laughs> I saved the audio. Would you play it, Sam? I apologize. That was the one time. Do we remember what that was That's for? That's it. I apologize. Uh, it was on July 28th of 2020. I must have had a fever that day. <laughs> I apologize. That will be in the file forever. It will never leave. Um, I invested $600 in Bitcoin okay. several years ago, 
in 2021. Okay. It did dip to $300, mm-hmm. but as a as a dedicated patient investor, yes. I sat on my loss mm-hmm. and waited for it to come back. And it has. I have never had stock in anything. You don't own stock? No. Well, I mean, 401k stuff, yes. But you don't have individual stocks? No. Oh. I've never gone out and been like, oh, I'm going to be a day trader. <laughs> Are you kidding well, me? I'm you know how my I'm mind a, works? I'm not a day trader. You, you know what I have a ton of money in? Well, not a ton of money. Exxon. But Exxon. Yeah. That's exactly right. Thank you, I family. apologize. <laughs> you know, I have friends of mine that really keep an eye on that stuff, understand it. You know, they buy when it's low. They Never sell when it's high. It. No, don't look at it. I know. I, but I have friends who do this and are very much. Well, crypto trading, you very much need to watch. If you are dealing I with small. Yeah, but if you're dealing with small coins, because Bitcoin is not a small coin. That is the big dog. That's the Dow. Oh, yeah. That's going to be my retirement fund. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Let's bank going on to, that. Going to Arby's? Enjoy the box. <laughs> That thing's that, that thing's gonna be worth millions. Why is Scott living in a cardboard box? He invested in Bitcoin. Uh, Gene Peters Baker, the Jackson County prosecutor, joins us at four fifteen this afternoon. Festivus Friday, the airing of the grievances, coming your way at five o'clock here on Dana and Parks. Thanks for listening to the Dana and Parks podcast. Remember, you can catch us online anytime at kmbz.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.